from freight waves and payments supply chain meets fintech virtual event yeah it's awesome i was just channeling positive energy to everybody here welcome everybody beautiful afternoon and a great event yeah you're soaking it in you're in a ronda hope all you out here you ate a little bit you got our energy back up it's midday let's make this thing happen a little cowbell for good luck we'll get into it but before we do that Thanks some sponsors. We got our headline yeah. here, Triumph Pay. Thank you very much, Triumph oh, Pay. Baby. Title sponsor, Transcard, Gold Pay Cargo, and Uber Freight. We got Silver. We got Zoom. Mr. Zoom Zoom. I see him in the green room. He looks wonderful. Yeah, he does. And content. We got Prizos. We're also going to give away a Yeti Tundra cooler. Oh, I thought you were just stopping at Yeti. How, how do you get it? How, how do you get the Yeti? How do I get in? Yeah. You got to win a pickleball match against Michael Vincent. At the end of this event to win the uh, Tundra Cooler. That's right, man. No, and just kidding. All, all you got to do is register for the event. It's free. Go to live.freightwaves.com. Throw your name in there, and uh, and they'll bring it over your way. Look at it, man. It's awesome. Who doesn't want that? I Who do. doesn't? Hey, as do. the late great Scott Hall used to say, hey, yo, survey time. <laughs> what do y'all out there like better? Freight tech or fintech? Yeah, fintech. Ooh. This crowd might like fintech better. I think they do. You know, I think we're going to find out by the end of the show that they're both very, very interrelated, Michael Vincent. They are, and very, very important. You know, a couple comments before we jump into it right here. We had one that said, why are freight brokers still essential? Why is there no centralized iOS app, Android app, that directly connects shippers to carriers or owner-operators? Michael Darden had a good answer. He said, because there's about a thousand platforms that are not all interconnected. They don't speak the same language. What I'd like to add to that too, right? It's yeah. not just the adoption of data standards, but brokers, they still act as a customer service layer. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's you, it, The, the technology is not there to take away those jobs. It's yeah. there to enhance those and, and provide, so you can provide that relationship and that, that value add. And that is what we keep hearing Amen. out of our leaders here. They're like, we want to enhance the process, bring it to you. Standards would be great, though. Make it happen. Let's get into stuff, man. I see Mustafa Aziz in the in the green room right there, co-founder, CEO at Let's Get a Zoom Zoom. Yeah, Come on up, Mustafa. You look zoom, awesome, zoom, man. Baby, I haven't baby, seen zoom, you zoom. since Arkansas. What up, guys? You look so cool. Hey, before we even get into things, I got to praise you really quick. Roll this video of them building a, a veteran playground here over Home Depot. Mustafa, what were you and your team doing? This looked great. So uh, we're blessed to have really good integral customers, and one of them is Home Depot. And they had a foundation for veterans, and we went to North Carolina and Asheville, which is a really cool place that people need to go to. And we built um, a playground and a like like a football field with everything for uh, basically veterans' kids. It was like a center for veterans and their kids and uh, their families. And honestly, like. In the beginning, I, I was like, you know, we're going to be in the hot North Carolina sun for like seven hours. At the end of it, I was like, we need to do more of this. We're always trying to like build up our own wallets and our own companies. And like that truly does, you know, you guys were doing like your own stuff in the beginning. But isn't really the, the meaning of life in the end to give and help other people? And that would, that's what gives you bliss and makes you feel whole and closer to where you need to go at the end. And that's what this event was for us. Mustafa, we Amen, love it. brother. A little cab up for you. Anytime yeah. you're doing something like that, let us know on what the truck. We'd be happy to cover it, shine a light on it. I love the great work you and the team 
do. But let's get into some business here. Our audience wants to hear about trucking and the recession. That has been a debated topic since Craig Fuller published that infamous article back in March. And uh, I think, you know, there's still been arguments yeah. on both sides ever since. What are you seeing, Mustafa? Is trucking in a recession? Is peak season going to be uh, puke season? Well, so it was funny. I, when I got out of school at UC Berkeley, I studied um, supply chain flows um, and how it relates to economic philosophy and economic cycles. And then I got a job at J.B. Hunt in 2010. And then um, around 2015, you guys remember, there was the port strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that did is it brought low season for the truckers for three years, which was unfounded and hadn't happened. And um, then COVID brought peak season for two and a half years, which usually – I don't know if people remember this, but every year had a low season and a peak season. They had produce and that stuff is all gone now. And um, essentially, we've been living in a bull market for 14 years with no wording of recession on the horizon. And I was always uh, taught at J.B. Hunt when I worked there was that um, whatever the truckers uh, do, they signal first when a recession is hitting. So I'm really kind of torn about it, but there's uh, the word is basically still out whether we're in a recession or not, because I'll give you guys some facts in case people fact check me, right? Dow and Jones in the last 30 days has been up 10%. Bitcoin has been up 12%. NASDAQ has been up 13%. Some people say that it's a, it's a uptake of just like a market going up and then it's going to slam down as the Fed comes in and um, avoids a soft landing. And we move into stagflation or a recession. But I don't know, man. Um, I've seen a lot of investment into trucking companies and supply chain and warehousing and whatnot. I think if we do go into a recession, I think our industry, given the amount of investment that I've been coming into in the last five years, we're definitely going to be having a soft landing. But I also do think there was some <laughs> bullish truckers that overspent um, into their trucking, and uh, and hopefully the market picks up here soon. If you ask me to make a bet, I would still bet that in the next couple months the market's going to pick up and it's going to last for like twelve to fifteen months. But it's important to note that um, since this is a fintech event, right? What caused uh, the uh, why freight volumes are down, which is actually our second bullet point. So I'll just hold off on that uh, thought. let's talk about that a little bit the freight volumes that are there because you know there can be uh we can get freight recessions are different than the rest of the economy right we can have a strong economy and have a freight recession volumes are down what's going on yeah so it started with the um like just like 2015 port strikes was the catalyst uh in 2020 covid was the catalyst now this time the the china second resurgence of covid was the catalyst in that all the boats and ships got stuck on that side. And then as a result, um, the cash freight index from June to July dropped 1.7%. You can also see that intermodal demand is kind of sluggish. And the more uh, the rates kind of hike up and the fuel prices and inflation rises, the more shippers will, and they have been in the last three to four years, uh, shifting towards intermodal. Um, So trucking is getting kind of hit. At the same point, the truckers are getting skewed, uh, which got a little bit of relief this last month by fuel prices um, because of inflation, um, which our president said we're, we don't have <laughs> on a speech the other night. I think he made a mistake. <laughs> but uh, uh, consumer demand has been lower, and, and therefore uh, we think that maybe the shippers 
built up inventory a little bit too much. However, why is the stock market and everything up like 15% on average? Well, look at Schneider up 8% in the last six months. JB Hunt up 12% in the last six months. XPO up 20%. The logistics companies are are basically pulling the economy and the Dow and Jones out of a slump, and they're really helping us out right now. So let me ask you something. We added a record number of new authorities in the past year. Rejections mm-hmm. are below 6%, right? Yet some people are still beating the driver shortage drum. Is there a driver shortage in your opinion? Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I believe, you know, the average age of the U.S. truck driver is still in the 50s or at least in the high 40s. I haven't checked of late because people haven't talked about it in the last two and a half years because, uh, you know, uh, essentially since drivers were getting paid so much and trucking companies were making so much, they had more money to throw at the drivers. So, again, we uh, sweep uh, things like globalization or um, pollution or driver shortage under the rug because of the money coming into the space. But uh, just uh, this month, I believe in July, the American Trucking Association touted that there was a still shortage last year of 80,000 drivers. The average driver was making, uh, I believe, uh, $48,000 as a median. Um, just saw an article about Walmart, how they're promoting $110,000 for driver. Now, is the question really that is there a driver shortage or are we not getting good drivers? Because the, the younger people are definitely not coming. There's too many options for them, right? And then the good older drivers are leaving. So um, it's hard for a trucking company to hire a guy that's been having his license for six months because there's a lot of risk there. So what I think we're missing is good drivers. But I do think um, because also the American Trucking Association says that by 2030, there's going to be like a need of 500,000 drivers injected into it. And if that wasn't the case, why would we be building towards autonomous movement and becoming more efficient there and and self-driving uh, trucks and uh, EV? Uh, there's definitely a driver shortage, and I don't think we should take it lightly. Yeah, so Mustafa, uh, I, I don't disagree with you, but let's let's talk about Zoom and what you guys are doing over there. We're going. To, how do you guys help people navigate recession and not a recession? The markets we're going into right now uh, are definitely soft and freight. How do you guys help people navigate through that? And how important is it now more than ever to pay attention to that data? Yeah, so Zoom has essentially taken on a larger challenge in terms of trying to bring the whole industry into one nucleus and standardization. It's kind of funny that you guys were talking about that earlier. That's been our missions from day one. There's been three pillars in logistics. There's the marketplace and the RFP pillar. Uh, and that's where digital brokers and load boards and RFP companies live. There's the TMS world, right? Um, and that's where brokers, shippers, and trucking companies have a flavor of each one. And then there's that third uh, miscellaneous bucket of AI and analytics and, and visibility. Ultimately, our goal at Zoom was to be a marketplace and a software company and build it into one nucleus. That way, we can have brokers and shippers living under one language, under one platform, uh, where partners are welcome. Uh, for example, um, 
the first thing we did is we integrated into the load boards because we saw them as a really big part of the industry. Some of the digital brokers out there try to steal data from those guys and now have legal battles. Instead, we try to partner with them and help them get more revenue in the hopes of bringing everybody on one super platform. But at the same point, if you go and try to attack the load boards who helped our industry for the last 20 years and don't back them up and uh, become a partner with them, then, you know, it's not going to work. Um, and w- there are companies that have built stuff for shippers to standardize it. Uh, for example, uh, I know KBX uh, built Load Shop a couple years ago. Um, Zoom has our own basically digital brokerage for shippers um, and they're new. They have to get traction. And once they get there, um, they're really going to have a lot of adoption and it's going to make sense. It's just a, a whole industry that's had only monopolists in it for the last 50 years. How do you convince them to give instead of take for a better cause? <laughs> we can start by building one of those playgrounds with Home Depot. You're right. I like what I saw. I like what I saw. By the way, Michael Darden in the comments, he said, hey, Mo. So shout out to you right there. Before we let you go, though, you spoke to a great one. I got a picture of you right here with the man with the hands. Mr. Jerry Rice, did he give you any advice you can leave us with before we move on to our next guest? Yeah, a funny story, man. So the guy, I'm wearing his Super Bowl ring and he disappears for like eight minutes and I'm just <laughs> looking for him with the Super Bowl. Um, actually, uh, shout out to Jerry Rice. Uh, him and his daughter started a uh, drink company. It's like a new energy drink. It's called Goat Fuel because he's the goat. Yeah. And um, we're going to be working together and hopefully he can bring some uh, love to the trucking industry. But that guy's a mover and shaker. And Michael Darden, he's a beast, man. He's one of the innovators in the game. Don't forget that. He started the whole standardization thing. And I talk to him every so often. The the secret uh, of building the super nucleus is you can't build it as a monopoly. You have to let all the other players out there uh, integrate into it. That's well, the secret. And that's what we're trying to do. Mo, thank you so much. Thank you for imparting this wisdom on us, not just from yourself, but from Jerry Rice as well. We appreciate it. Send us some of that goat fuel. We'll drink some and we'll uh, go clean up a park with you, man. Take it easy. (laughs) Raise the truck. (laughs) Take it easy, man. We enjoyed your time. Hey, our next guest right now is Tom Pigeon. He's the VP of Sales East Coast at Pay Cargo. And this is a well-traveled gentleman. I was looking in his background. He worked with Merce before and it took him around the world. He's been in Chile, Italy, Ukraine, and of course, North America. Todd, thanks for joining us today at our virtual event. Thank you for having me both. Now, out of all these, great, great to be with you guys, Mr. World Traveler. Out of all those places, what would you recommend the most to our listeners today when they get done with all this stuff and they want to just have some leisure? Yeah, well, what are they looking for? And I would have to say, from architecture and food and and culture, Italy is right up there. But if you're looking for outdoor adventure, you're looking for uh, really getting off the grid. Chile and southern Chile is phenomenal, or even go to northern Chile in the deserts of Atacama. Really great stuff. And then, you know, having the opportunity to live in um, Central America and in Venezuela, it's all about language. And if you're wanting to escape and and, and learn or or be uh, engulfed in another language, then, you know, I answer that question with all of the places that I've been fortunate enough to live and lead. 
<laughs> wow. There well, at PayCargo, you help shippers and carriers get paid. But I have a question for yeah. you, and this is this is kind of a, a surface one, but if I was a business, why would it make a difference to me if I got it check, cash, or or digital? What if I like to, you know, dig a hole in my backyard and hide my money there or put it in the mattress? Well, those are all options, but I think what you have to really consider as a business, either participant, business owner, is cash flow is critical. We see mm. where prices have gone, what inflation has done, and it's taking, I call it the 10x effect. Uh, two years ago, if you're working in the ocean transportation field, which I have my background in, or even within air freight, you're having to use a lot more cash to conduct your business. So cash flow is critical. So if that's critical to your business, you need to make sure that that's moving at the speed that helps your business. So PayCargo has built a platform that helps the speed of cash move between you know, buyer and seller, between shipper and, and, and vendor, if you want to call it, um, so that the cargo moves faster. So yeah, you could use a check, you could decide to work with um, a, a slower process, um, but that's going to affect your cash flow. And I think people are more cognizant that cash flow is critical. Yeah, very important cash flow, obviously. And and uh, so, Todd, Mustafa ended talking about the, the, the nucleus, the super nucleus, and everybody needs to be able to participate, et cetera. In a platform, yeah. why is it so critical to have the transparency and really the centralized data in one place for both sides of the equation? Is one not good enough to make things move faster? Well, it's important that the data that is exchanged is as complete as possible. That's another thing that we learned uh, working on the platform was that because we're focused on supply chain and logistics, that the information that we ask the customer or the shipper to, to fill out in order to pay their vendor or their service provider, it comes through in our reconciliation reports very clean. And, you know, I've, I've sold to VPs of logistics and international transportation for years. Most of my audience today is in accounting and CFOs, and they love the clarity of the reconciliation and the data that transpires that they weren't getting when they were working just with their traditional bank relationship. So the platform and ease of use is what people most tell me is, hey, when I go to pay cargo, I can find all my vendors, I can pay them, I get reconciliations on a daily basis. So one platform has been able to create that environment, and I call it, you know, the payment ecosystem, and and customers are responding to it. Imagine if, like, something like Prime Day was run on cash and checks. It wouldn't even be possible. Would it? <laughs> and I say that because yeah. the physical and the digital, they're, it's not, they're not equitable. They're not the same thing. It's not binary. It's not one or the other, because turning... Cash flow digital enables a whole bunch of other processing is in freight, does it not? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, when we talk to the customs house brokers, they're trying to clear that freight. They're trying to get those duties paid and they have an end customer that they're serving. If you look at the fruit and vegetable, um, it, you know, industry, fresh refrigerated cargo segment, it time flowers, time is money. And there you're talking about shelf life of product. So if you can digitize any of that, you know, payment processing, that's going to increase the shelf life of your product. And you might get an extra day on that shelf of that product mm. to improve your revenue flow. 
Yeah, that's really that's a really interesting point. Now, let me ask you this, Todd. With with the with the speed of this and and you know your speed of transactions, you've got it all digitized. You can you can settle quickly. The the yeah. the completion of that contract is verified that it was correct, et cetera. Do terms start to go away or lessen? Thirty day terms, ninety day terms, sixty day terms, and what would that do to the industry? Well, I mean, most of the terms are set between the the contractual parties. And so pay cargo is just within that. So if they've got 30 days to pay, then they go in, they can calendar their event on that 30th day, if that's what they have as terms with their service provider, and make that payment. And they're not figuring out when was the 30th day, they can calendar that in into it. Um, I think the other element of um, you know moving uh, payments faster is helping the, the flow and the congestion inside the terminals. So from an ocean perspective, it's helpful. Mm. And then from an air, air freight perspective, you know, again, it's storage. And most mm. airlines now have moved to 24-hour storage for free. After the 24th hour, charges begin. So you've got to be quick in your documentation. You've got to be quick in your payment or you're going to start incurring um, storage fees. Hey, and when you're in a situation like we were where the spot market dropped out and you're a smaller mid-sized carrier and retail diesel prices went skyrocketing, <laughs> cash flow yeah. is king. Cash flow is life or death in those moments, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And um, where I saw a lot of the trucking community was being asked by their customers to settle a lot of the charges on behalf of their customer to pick up the freight. And now truckers are on the platform being asked to be paid faster. So what our largest or our fastest growing segment is actually trucking companies asking to come on to pay cargo so that their customers can pay them even faster. And they're getting out of that space of fronting money on behalf of their customers to get cargo cleared. So two, two movements are happening simultaneously. Todd, where do we send people to learn more about pay cargo? I think this is one of those solutions that is really easy to wrap your head around, especially in times like these, but people need help with it. They need sure. assistance on it. So where can we, where can we point them to? Yeah, well, um, my younger son says it's the PayPal for transportation and logistics, but mm. it's paycargo.com. Uh, we are a sales organization throughout the U.S. and Canada. Uh, we operate in both U.S. dollars and Canadian dollars. We're expanding to Europe. Uh, as well as to the Middle East. But the easiest place to go is paycargo.com. We have uh, demos um, that are available uh, online 24-7, and then you can reach out to our PayCargo support. We're based here in South Florida. Uh, we're U.S.-based uh, customer experience center. We'd love to talk to anybody that has questions. There's also a vendor request and a, and a just open uh, channel on our website where you can just place any of the questions or or comments that you have, and we'll be glad to get back to you. Todd, thank you so much. Get that PayPal for freight. Get it in your tech stack. Absolutely needed in freight. We appreciate your time today, and uh, we can't wait to head over to Italy or Chile. I don't know. I'm going to have to flip a coin or, you know. Yeah, either. I'll go. Yeah, all right. Just yeah, tell me where we're center. going once you get on a plane. I'm good. <laughs> thank you, there Todd. You go. And I'll wear, my, I'll wear my pay cargo hat the next time. Thanks for oh, having me, beautiful. guys. Take it easy. Take have care. a great one. All right. Later. Take care. Our next guest is in studio. It is Shep Hickey. Shep, come on over here, man. Jump on the seat right next to us. We love having guests in studio. I'll give you a little cowbell entrance theme for yourself. 
He's a founder and CEO over at Brizos. And actually, I got to cheat a little bit because I just saw you up here about a half hour ago, uh, right before lunch, right? You're talking to Karen Webster. I was talking. Yeah, I was talking to Karen. Thanks for having me in today, guys. Absolutely. Good to see you. How's Welcome. Chattanooga treating you so far? It's been great. There have been no major incidents. Everything's going well. Can you believe Todd didn't answer Chattanooga or Freight Alley in one of his answers, one of the best places to go? Oh, yeah. Well, I asked him, was you know, Italy or, or Chile? Yeah. Yeah. No, we we kind of put it at kinda that one. You know, he, he still <laughs> had an opportunity to say Chattanooga, though. Yeah. Well, we have a gift for you for coming on the show. Here's a hat. Thank you. You don't have to put Thank that on you. right now, but you can take that with you. I had a question before we jump into things, though. Maybe you can throw your elevator pitch into this as well. But what, sure. where did the name Brizos come from? Uh, well, you know, when you start a business, you do have to come up with a name yeah. for it. Mm. And I made the decision early that I wanted the name to mean nothing to anybody. I didn't want to have any sort of a, whenever you heard it, you're like, what is that? Yeah. Versus like, have it remind you of something. And oh. now, now here comes the emotion of an association, right? So I would rather start from a point of neutrality than like digging out of something that happened to somebody 20 years ago. But to answer your question directly, it's from a song. Yeah. No More Kane, No More Kane. It's Bob Dylan's song that the band plays in Lee Von Helm, the singer, the Brazos River. He says Brazos because he's from Turkey Scratch, Arkansas. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you probably know I all the terrible steel it. jokes. I only have one, and it's what's another name for a hundred percent steel cage? A Nicholas Cage. <laughs> oh God, that's <laughs> actually pretty good. That's, that's, that's decently good. Yeah, that's a good dad joke. All right, right no, it's not a joke though. No, it's not a joke. What some people have said, right? I saw you call this out on LinkedIn. It said, and you said, steel industry is slow to adopt technology. My ass, what got you fired up about that? Because I know in freight tech, right, we hear that about supply chain all the time. Well, it's, I think it's what uh, companies who have gone way too far trying to grow business too fast without first identifying what's of value, right? Like to hmm. say that, like maybe you've spent $75 million building something that you think people should adopt, and then they don't. Then you're like, well, they just don't adopt technology. No, they don't adopt your technology, right? So, because if you go around distribution or around uh, logistics, there's technology all over the place. Like the guy out in the yards weren't using a five-axis <laughs> machine that like three people in the U.S. know how to operate, yeah. right? Or you've got ERP systems. So there needs to be a clear connection between the software and the profitability associated with implementing that piece of technology. Okay. All right. So let's get into some what if scenarios. Let's get into your world, the world of steel, the man come of on steel, in. Yeah, the come world on in. of steel. Let's jump right in there. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about what is uh, supposed to theoretically happen versus what actually does happen in your world. <clears throat> well, it's, there is an instance uh, when things go as expected. Yeah. But majoritively, yeah, things don't. So you have a buyer who needs a hundred feet of something. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be prime, like yeah. doesn't have a scratch on it. Right. Or whatever. Right, right, right. So you order your stuff and you send it to a seller, uh, a purchase order. And then they're like, great. Everybody's best of intentions. Fast forward a couple of days, 90 feet shows up. That's pyramid loaded, not strip loaded, Yeah, you know, and it's the wrong dimension or something. So that would be an example of a theoretical versus an actual Right. And right, sure. much of where, and this happens in freight where I've got a truck, like, yeah, come on over. You've got a nine o'clock appointment. We'll get you loaded by 1 p.m. You know, <laughs> so you have these actuals or theoretical versus actual. And the ripple effect 
of when those things don't line up uh, can really have a profound impact on how business operates in the economics of that business. So what happens, like you're a marketplace, for example, what happens in the world of steel when there are drastic changes? There's these black <clears throat> swan events, there's steel shortfalls, right? Or the economy just tanks, or like we've seen over the past two years, it all converges into a perfect storm of crap. Um, <laughs> those do occur. And uh, so on a marketplace, regardless of what's happening at a macro level, yeah. You're walking into an environment where you are uh, increasing your odds of selling something and you're increasing your odds of buying exactly what you need for the price and the time that you need to get it. So those characteristics remain true regardless of what is happening from a macro standpoint. That is what a marketplace does. So now those can, you know, sort of the, the amplitude of that can change, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, uh, a marketplace to a degree and ultimately is a representation of what's happening at large physically, right? Mm -hmm. So if there is legitimately, like for real, a shortage of something, there's just flat out a shortage of it. Right, right. Right. But right. what a marketplace will do is increase your reach because typically if you're buying freight or if you're buying materials as a buyer, you have a finite universe of supply that, that you like day in, day out. You've got your top three and you're like, if you're really in a jam, you'll you'll reach out to those other two, you know, uh, but there we reach markets where marketplaces really have great utility, which is you're reaching out to people you don't even know exist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And on a marketplace like Brizos, one of the reason that people are like, well, I don't want to do that because I don't know who this person is. I don't know if they pay their bills or or what. What we're doing, what we're doing is saying, okay, we understand that. We understand that concern. Let yeah. us take that risk out of the equation for you. And let you how about you guys just talk about what you need? Yeah. Right. And we're gonna strip out, we're gonna neutralize all of that risk. So you can get down to what you guys do, which is either the servicing side of things or the moving of something from point A to point B or the supply of something. We'll handle sort of all of that crap that, that it is around it. Yeah, excellent. So I met you earlier out in the parking lot, and as I was wrestling you to the ground because I thought you were uh, going to rob the yeah, which was kind of funny. That was like the freight wave <laughs> you, handshake. You, you, you said, but wait a minute, how do you define supply chain? In your own definition of supply chain, how does fintech really impact it, or how should it and best impact what you consider to be supply chain? Because people have very narrow views and very wide views. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm going to get to your question in a second and say I think supply chain in a general sense, mm -hmm. it's just if someone needs something, how it gets to them, mm -hmm. yeah, and whatever it is, everything so, involved, everything involved, pulling it, it out matter. of the ground to finish product, goods, money, everything. Yeah, but yeah. you said it's exactly what it is. So, in in the context of fintech, here's how I think about it: is that money is the lubricant for all of this, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And the or the astrobent too, right? If you're right. not beta, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but it's but, and so what is like, think about traditionally speaking, a company will have open terms. So say a seller yeah. says, here, here, you can pay us in 30 days. Here's $100,000 in credit. They're trying to lubricate that. They're saying, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. Pay us in 30 days. And so as companies are migrating more and more every day on, into a digital format, we need a digital analog of that lubricant, right? And that's what fintech is. And and fintech is many things. It's just simply moving money from here to there. Now, mm -hmm. there are many different sort of uh, forms of that. But what we're really trying to do with fintech is say, okay, let's take these great traditional businesses 
and put them in a digital format where they can really streamline some busy work. Yeah, turbocharge. Yeah, let's turbocharge these great businesses and let's bring in all this fintech lubricant so so we can keep them going. So that's how I think about it. Excellent. Yeah. Well, so I gotta I gotta ask you then when you when you think about this combination of fintech and supply chain as we talk to this audience here, what is one thing about the steel industry that you think this audience should know when it comes to bringing all those things together? What would surprise people? Is that it's just as big of a mess as your industry? <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, it really is true. Like so, when I was building Brizos, it was always built with the mindset that it's the exception that things go well. Yeah. And that I want to dispel any sort of uh, belief out there that your industry is too complicated for fintech. Because fintechs are designed to application, right? It's it's like, okay, you want it this way. Well, great. We can program to that. And all the while, because it's fintech and everyone's watching what you're doing, it's actually going to be much more secure and de-risked versus what's happening right now. Sure. You know, because when you talk about electronic movement of money, you have got a lot more checks and balances than what's happening there versus how we're doing it now, which is sort of this, hey, you have $100,000 open terms, but we're not going to write that down anywhere. We're just going <laughs> to yeah. let you know that. And so if things kind of don't go well, perhaps I don't have any sort of proof that you ever even had those terms or, you know, yeah, or my of, contract says this year says that, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. So I think that yeah. if there's, I think, frankly, if FinTech's going to keep things just very moving much more smoothly. So Shep, we have about a minute left. Where should I send people to who want to check out the world's only independent online steel marketplace? Well, you should go to brizos.com uh, and you can create a free account and uh, learn what we're about. And we have oodles of information on LinkedIn.com about what we're doing. And uh, we just released our web stores. So a seller can free, uh, go have a landing page. It's immediately FinTech enabled. They can sell either the raw products, the finished products, anything they want and get our back office and all the things. Very, very cool. Hey, find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. What the Truck comes at you three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Subscribe to wherever you get podcasts or watch it on the Freight Waves TV app. Stay tuned for Fireside Chat, the China Syndrome, using embedded payments to navigate cross-border buyer complexity and register to win that Yeti. Hey, peace and love.